0: Coming up on this episode of the Unusable Podcast...
1: Inappropriate text message...
0: Solving EV charging problems...
1: Square toilets...
0: For my square bum...
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hello and welcome to the Unusable Podcast... A podcast for... Um, uh, I've lost the words... Uh, where we discuss the importance of user experience in technology and the world around us. And we talk about great design that just works or moan about it when it doesn't. Slick. Hi, Andrew. Absolutely.
1: Slick. As slick as it comes.
0: I, I kind of cocked it up there, but I, I think that nobody noticed and we probably got away with it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Smooth. It's not like this has been recorded or anything, is it?
0: No. Right. So, hi, I'm David Ball. Uh, I'm a front-end web and app developer.
1: And my name's Andrew Waite, and I run a software company. Can't believe someone trusts me to do that.
0: Yes, you do. Ask yeah. me, Andy. Right, no, there's, there's two things. So, you've done an interview, which we want to yeah. go on to fairly quick, because it's fairly long. Um, yeah. But d- first, ask me one thing about what I've been doing today. Ask me what I've been okay. doing today. What have you been doing today, David Ball? So I went to see a company about designing a bathroom, okay, and I spent far too long...
1: Wait, 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 wait. you're designing a a bathroom for a company? No, 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 no,
0: they're designing a bathroom for me. Oh, okay. They are a bathroom designing company. No, 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 I'm not that sort of designer.
1: I was going to say, I thought your career had taken a new turn.
0: I can assemble websites, but I can't assemble a an ensuite bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing. It's,
1: Just connecting I, the bits together. Well,
0: That's it's very probably. similar. It's something that has to be used and something that has to be designed to be used. And what I don't want to do is get down the... Um, I don't want to have something that looks nice, but doesn't work very well. Right. And so I ended up uh spending far too long looking at the usability of toilets <laughs> far too okay. long and, they, and the and the guy who's designing says, oh I'm going to show you this special one. this is my favorite toilet and um before then he he showed me this like, is, a, this is a bad
1: start this is a bad start. he has a favorite toilet
0: <laughs> He showed me a few in the uh in the showroom, and they're square now the thing is about toilets well no the thing is about my Bottom is it's not square. <laughs> <laughs> <So> <laughs> but it seems to be re- a trendy re- thing for toilets to be square.
1: So you reckon a, a square toilet is less ergonomic than a rounded toilet?
0: well I think so. Yeah, I think that. Uh, I don't think anyone in the world has a square has a square bottom. Anyway, well, okay, so,
1: so, you sh- so yeah, but well, if you think about how your knees fold. That's quite square, isn't it? Like you know how your knees, like if you think about your knee the bending your knees, that's a very square right angle,
0: isn't it? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. But I, I thought that the, the toilets that he showed me were no good. So that's why he showed me his favourite toilet. Now his favourite yeah. toilet was one that was designed by Philippe Stark. Okay. And I thought, okay, Philippe Stark, that, that, that name rings a bell. And Philippe Stark is the is the French designer who created the um the lemon squeezer really trendy looking lemon squeezer do you know yeah, what i, I mean think
1: a, yeah the one that's like a like this is it it's like is a it tripod like a it looks
0: like a like a robot from war of the worlds
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah and it looks amazing it looks so cool however if you try and use it as a lemon squeezer it's awful so already i'm thinking do i want a toilet designed by somebody who's designed something that's pretty but useless. Is that uh, um uh, is that too unfair to judge to judge that? I don't know.
1: I I just well, I'm just thinking you're putting way too much effort into the choice of toilet. It, it's literally <laughs> going to rece- it's going to be a receptacle for your feces. I mean, <laughs> just is it <laughs>
0: That's one way to put it, but to put it, but also it's a place that I'm going to sit down on a lot. So, yeah. I'm going to sit on that quite often. I want it to be nicely designed.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things as well where the design doesn't really change or hasn't really changed for a long, long, long time. So
0: I mean, they made them square. That's 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 a design change.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm just imagining the marketing like Apple Apple style marketing, like the one you've been waiting for all these years now available square edges. It's like the iPhone, how they change it from rounded corners to square corners. And then a few years later, it goes
0: back to round corners again. (laughs) And then they change the colour. Now available in white.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We did the last one in white.
0: Anyway, so so I also looked at other things that Philip Stark designed. And he's a very successful guy, a very productive guy. And he's designed a lot of really, really, really great stuff. However, um, I did find uh, a YouTube video of a, a kettle that he designed this is years ago like in the 90s and this kettle it looks so cool it's kind of like a bullet shape and it's got this like funnel that goes off onto the side um and it looks super super cool however the guy in the youtube video that they watched that tried to use it oh my god oh my god it's the most useless thing in the world like he tried, he, he had to pour the water. Like he couldn't get it under the um under the sink for a start because the way that you pour water into it has to go down this little funnel thing. Oh god! And then it's not an electric kettle, so you have to put it on a hob. Um, so he does that whilst also explaining that when when you pour it, sometimes steam comes out of this like funnel thing and burns your arm, which is weird. And um, what else? <laughs> so he eventually eventually boiled and he poured it out and he like tipped it up, tipped it up. And I'm thinking, well, oh, the water's going to come out at some point. It tipped up a bit more, no water's coming out. It tipped up a bit, bit more, and then like the water just like all kind of shot out at once and just went everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it is the most useless kettle that there is, but it looks very nice. Do not,
1: do not buy a Philip Stark toilet. Then on this basis, I think, <laughs> I think you've made a decision.
0: Yeah, maybe, maybe.
1: I feel like next next podcast you need to fill us in on what 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 toilet you chose and why
0: I don't think anyone, anyone cares about that
1: <laughs> well, well, you've just told them a load, loads of stuff about it
0: <laughs> so... <laughs> anyway, moving on, shall we uh talk about your interview that you have done
1: yes well i okay, so I'm a little bit um. Embar- is embarrassed the right word um, so I originally recorded this a long time ago back in um, October I think with um, Wolfgang Bremer and because I'm a bad person um, it's only just last week that I finally was able to uh, edit it down so yeah he is head of design at a company called Ellie they're part of the Volkswagen group and they do charges for EVs mm-hmm. so had a really interesting chat with him David
0: mm-hmm. great stuff, should you have a listen? let's go
1: So Wolfgang, welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure
2: to have you with us would you like to give us a a quick intro about yourself yes sure thanks andrew thanks so much for having me it's really a pleasure being on the show um yes yeah my name is wolfgang i'm the head of design at ellie which stands for electric life Uh, the longer name is volkswagen group charging which is really a mouthful i guess and um yeah we are part of the volkswagen group and we deal with everything energy and car related i would say and uh, i'm based out of berlin germany and today the weather is really bad so i hope it's (laughs) better Oh, no,
1: it's, um, well, it's, it's grey outside, but at least it's dry. Typical British weather. <laughs> yeah, I think we got some of this over here now as well. But we, we share a passion for cars there, right, Wolfgang? Like, I, I, know, I know you're in the industry, right? You're in the EV industry. But, um, I think
2: you had a, like a classic Mercedes, right? That's right, yeah. I inherited from my dad, like a 1987 300 SL in, in red, uh, nice uh, convertible, and um, it was really a pleasure to drive. I, I always had to take a lot of care, you know, it's like, should I really take this car to drive there? What are somebody ding the you know opening the doors and those it like it's almost I want to say sometimes it feels more like a hassle, but it's so nice if the if the weather's just nice and you you drive the car slowly and somewhere through I don't know like yeah I, I guess take a nice drive somewhere and so mm-hmm. it's more like the drive is the destination than actually reaching a destination and um, unfortunately a couple of years ago I had to sell it because we were moving from from Berlin to Vancouver BC and I looked into bringing the car over which might still be affordable, I guess. But there were so many, I don't know, small things like, oh, what if this is not filled out properly and that. And then a line somewhere caught my eye where it said like, oh, in the worst case, you will basically have to destroy your car. And they literally said, destroy your car. And I was like, what, what? If I wow. fill out the paperwork wrong, you just crush it into a little cube of metal kind of thing. And I I, I, I couldn't deal with this. I was like, yeah, no, I, maybe... Maybe that's uh, some kind of (laughs) sign that you don't bring the car over kind of thing. And I'm sure I would have done, uh, I would have needed to do some stuff to the car over there anyways, you know, like regulations and regarding lights and Mm -hmm. tires and I don't know what. So I decided, okay, uh, maybe it's not the the best car to bring over or to have like with uh, back then our our, um, older daughter, she was just born a couple of months ago. So I decided, okay, let's sell the car. Um, with the smiling heart, uh, sorry, with the smiling eye and the uh, and crying eye, I guess. But yeah. So since since then, I don't have the car anymore, and we don't have any car here in, in Berlin um, because it was public transport. But yes, I I really yeah. Yeah. like cars, like the way that they look, they way they they sound, the stuff you can do with them, they may the way they, the kind of freedom I guess they give you. You know, like in Germany, when you turn eighteen, you can get your driver's license, and I think in some areas when you turn seventeen. But I mm-hmm. think when I was younger, it was really something to look forward to. It was like, oh, once I get my driver's license, I can just go
1: for a ride somewhere. It's you know? the freedom, it isn't like... it? It's the it's, it's unlocking that freedom and uh, being able to 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 go on your own terms. I think that's the that's the thing that people love and look forward to. Absolutely. So 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 given. Given we're both sort of uh, car geeks, for, for want of a better term, obviously you're in the industry of EV charging, uh, and I think that's really exciting, because obviously the auto industry right now is going through a massive shift from fossil fuels to, to EVs and other alternative fuels. So I thought it'd be interesting to just have a talk about how UX and UI plays into the, the switch away from fossil fuels, essentially. How do, what role does UI, UX play in getting people on board with the switch? from from fossil fuels towards a a cleaner a, a cleaner and a brighter future so yeah, how when you look at the EV market right now, one of the reasons a lot of people cite for not bothering to to switch is you know, usually the same old things. You know, it takes too long to charge; it doesn't have enough range. You know, I mean, to what extent do you think that that UX is crucial in the switch to to EVs and other forms of of, of alternative propulsion? You know, in transportation.
2: I think it's it's very very important to be honest because for me it's usually like as a designer to to take a step back and look at the current situation right and only because we, we suddenly have, I guess it's very similar vehicles, but they just are fueled in a different way or charged basically in a different way, right? So instead of putting gas or diesel into them, you, you fill them up with electricity. And it doesn't just, it doesn't have to just. A one-on-one convert, you know, like nowadays, oh, you have a car, you drive to a gas station, um, you refill your car uh, within a couple of minutes and then you pay and then you drive back home or you're on your way kind of thing. So if you would translate this one-to-one to an EV, you know, I'm not sure if that is the best solution. It's like, I mean, humans are creatures of habit, right? We, we we often think like, oh, this works, why not do it the same way? So we have like, a, let's say an electricity station, we drive with the EV there, we recharge it, which obviously Nowadays, it takes longer, uh, longer than refilling uh, an engine-powered car. Um, but then we would pay and we would be on our way again. And I find this is something we, we should not just translate one to one. We should look at the experience overall. Like, as as we said, you know, there's an opportunity there, basically, um, to make something out of the situation, especially when it takes longer to charge the car. Like, what can you actually do in the time? And do you actually, in the first place, have to drive to a place to charge your car? Because there's so many opportunities we, we could we could take, like charging at home, you know, while wall is in your garage. Or maybe charge on the street via um, charging via lampposts, you know, <laughs> there's all these kind of opportunities which actually can make it easier and less that you have to get out of your way or to go out of your way to drive to somewhere to recharge or refill your car. So it's something we should really consider from, from the ground up, I would say. So there's a lot of opportunity there to do the right thing, but it takes time, I would say, and a, really a careful eye to see what like what can be done, what could be done, how could things be done. And what would actually lead to a benefit for the planet and for the people using it instead of sticking to the old, um, to, the, to the same old rhythm, I guess. Yeah, I think something you touched on there is it's also not just about the experience, but also about the, the
1: education piece. You know, you, you see, you know, you don't have to look very far online when you see, I don't know, a, re- a review of a, an electric car or something, and you'll get the comments uh, section full of people with the same um, mindset, you know, they'll... they'll and the same the, the same objections right you know it doesn't charge up fast enough or the range isn't enough or all these different things and you've just said there, you know maybe those things don't matter so much if you are charging it say overnight at home but but i think that you know part of it is part of it is the ux but you know there's education as well potentially cost there's there's, there's lots of barriers isn't there but um yeah i don't know how you see do You think ux is the main one you, know, you think if we solve the ux of these things then everything else will follow or do you think the price of evs needs to come down or yeah you know how how do you see the split of things Do you think the we need all these things right for everyone to adopt TVs. I'm kind of interested in the all these different factors and how the, how how you see them coming together.
2: Yeah, I think there's I guess with like with most of the things there's different angles and different point of views and there's usually like the group of people I don't know like like the early adopters let's say right who who willingly jump into something which might not be as good as a competing or existing product yet I guess but they're willing to take a leap of faith kind of thing to see oh that sounds really interesting you know I'm doing it for for for, for a good reason like you know like with EV EV charging for example like making the planet a better place kind of thing and and like taking care of the planet really or a better way uh, so people take this leap of faith to even if it's a bit more of a hassle nowadays to to try it and do the right thing let's say versus people who are where convenience matters more you know or people who are busy i don't know like people who are on the road a lot and uh, they need to maybe factor in that charging nowadays takes a little bit longer you know um mm-hmm. so it, it really depends on the point of view but i think they have to. A lot of things have to come together. Like from experience of point of view, from the pricing point, um, from educating people why it would be a better choice to choose an EV over another type of car, and all these kind of things. You know, like the stars have to be aligned, kind of thing. And I think yeah. it has to be tackled from from many from many directions at the same time.
1: Yeah, I'm re- reminded of the the old product adoption curve of you know you get the early sort of innovators that adopt it you know early adopters that kind of like i don't know if you've ever seen this the 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 graph where adoption kind of goes up as different segments of the market and then at the end you get the lag i think is it laggards at the end are the last people who are are kind of you know stubbornly in the old their old ways they're the last ones who will adopt change and something new um but obviously yeah the, the whole ev um thing has to go through that uh that um through that curve and through that process so I asked a few of, of of my friends, "What questions do you have? You know about about um, you know how UX can play into the to, to the adoption of of EVs, and also more widely, you know the adoption of greener things. You know, like for example, heat pumps instead of gas boilers in people's homes. And I had a few interesting questions, but one of the um, one of the biggest ones about EVs was actually, you know, if you have uh no off street parking you know if you don't have a driveway if you don't have a garage if you rely on parking your car on the road that seems a real limiting factor for people in terms of the ad- adoption of evs and more so that seems to almost create a, a um it's going to impact the people w- worse off in our society the most you know People who, you know, generally speaking, people who don't have access to off-road parking are going to be lower income um, families. And I'm just wondering how you see that playing out. You know, are the solutions coming to those kinds of problems? Uh, You know, is that something that you're thinking about, that the industry is thinking
2: about? Yeah, I think so. So, for example, I saw the other day just now, I think on LinkedIn or somewhere, um, pictures being shared again of in another country, a lamppost charging, you know, like you have on the street usually lampposts and they connect to the grid right there and you can plug your car right in into the lamppost. So existing infrastructure, reusing it or partially repurposing it so that the people on the street can charge their cars right there. And I think it's it's really interesting because like these kind of things, because if you think about it, like the people who have um, gas powered cars, they don't have a gas station at home either, right? So if they want to actually reach, mm-hmm. refill their car, sorry, they have to drive to a gas station to refill their car. Granted, it will not take that long, but they have to get out of the way to actually do that, you know? Whereas with an EV, if you are lucky enough to have um, your, your own garage or underground parking, you can potentially do this at home, like at any point in time. So it's actually a benefit over driving somewhere else to rejuice your car of course and yeah. you can still do the the lamppost charging or you can drive to a charging station you know and there's more and more i, I guess depending on where you live more on, inside the city or countryside and depending on the country um as well for sure like the the infrastructure right it, it's being built up and rammed up from different parties and uh i would say it depends as designers love to say right so if you're in luck i know uh, a friend of mine, he he refuses to install a box at home because mm-hmm. he lives right down the street from a high-powered charger and he rather drives over there with his phone or laptop, you know, for like 20 minutes and fills the car up to 80% and drives back or is on his way then to the highway, whatever, you know, and he says like, why would I pay whatever amount to install this thing at home when I can just drive down the street to refill my car within a couple of minutes, basically. Do, do you think we risk
1: creating a little bit of a two-tier system, though? Because as you mentioned, at the moment, everyone has to go to um, what, what I would call a petrol station or a gas station, depending on what, what part of the world you're from. Um, but everyone right. pays the, the same rate, you know, whether you are wealthy and have a big house with a driveway or whether maybe you're less well-off and, you know, you don't have um, that facility available to you, you're going to pay the same rate for fuel, whereas... Um, with electricity you know if you've got a home wall box that might be a lower unit rate of a you're paying for that because because that's coming off your house electricity whereas at least in the uk right now using public charging infrastructure is considerably more expensive and i really i I personally am quite concerned about creating a two-tier system here where we are penalizing the the people that have to rely on public charging you know the charge points that are you know on the street or you know at a at a public service station or something like that um yeah i mean is, is that a concern for you is there a, is there is there an awareness in the industry as well you know is there, is there a general feeling hey there's a problem here we need to address or is it you know is nobody really worried about it i'm kind of interested you know from, from your insider thoughts on whether anyone's anyone's really thinking about
2: that or tackling it yes i think especially nowadays or these days the the yeah, the 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 price of electricity is, I think, pretty much on top of of the mind for everybody involved in it. And <laughs> yeah. to to, yeah. to think how how this impacts the industry, right? Just like sometimes a fluctuation with with oil prices for 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 the gas uh, has an impact there. You know, so I think it's it's definitely mm-hmm. there. And I think depending on the company, they are trying to do something about it. You know, can we lower the price here and there? Can we offer a different kind of tariff? You know. And usually it's like um, I, I would say, as somebody who's new to the EV stuff, you know, it's like how you charge a car and how you pay for it. Like this kind of tariffs, you, you don't usually just drive. I mean, you can drive to a charging station and just pay as you go, let's say. Um, but often you can also book, like like for like with the cell phone company, you have like your your monthly uh, price for something, like a base price, and then the 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 price per uh, kilowatt hour is lower, for example, right? So yeah, uh, there's other options you. The companies could offer you know like oh maybe you can lower this price and adapt here to, to, to the market conditions and stuff right so i don't think uh, so uh, we definitely don't want to create uh, a divide in the, in the in the people right like allowing some people to charge yeah. and, and, and this i i think definitely not i think we, we rather want to do the opposite right that we want to encourage people and enable people to to drive greener cars which are better for the environment and are affordable to no matter who right and if you look in the car industry i think there's so many brands now building evs in uh, all certain kinds of brackets like from really really small cars to medium-sized cars to luxury cars you know like you can find anything pretty much anything in any kind of price level right so i think the mm-hmm. industry is very trying to address it as a whole
1: yeah yeah definitely one one of, one of the things i find uh, personally quite interesting is as we move towards green energy creation, so away from things like coal and gas to generate our electricity towards renewables like solar, wind, um, wave power, things like that, that you have a problem, um, which is that with, with gas, you can just you know, turn, up more, turn up the gas and you'll get more electricity. So as demand changes through the day, um, or if you have a spike in demand, you're able to meet that demand by generating more. The problem with a lot of renewables, obviously, is that you can't just say turn up the wind. You can't just turn up the sun when you when you want more of it. So we have this problem where there is a gap between the demand and the generation. You know, you might generate loads of electricity in the day when there's low demand, but then everyone goes home and turns their lights on and their heating on uh, and there is huge demand, but there's no supply anymore. So trying to align um supply and demand i found that quite an interesting area to to look at and i just wondered if how you see evs can play into that you know with things like i don't know maybe tiered charging or charging for different times in the day i don't know if there's anything that kind of insight there that you have into into that sort of aligning demand and generation um of, of of the power that we use
2: yeah i think that's a that's a very important point actually and i think it goes beyond just evs and like the the grid and the power grid in that sense because Um, so at least in in Germany, it's, it's also about, and I'm sure in other countries as well, it's about like when you, when you nowadays um, I think, I'm not sure if it's whole of Germany or only Berlin where I live. um, But if you nowadays want to um, redo your roof or build a new house, I think you are already forced um, to put EV panels on, on your roof. You know, there's a law you have to do that to collect energy and make use of the energy to be less um, dependent on, well, things let's say. And, um, I think that is like one very important step, right? Not just to rely, like, well, I have a power plug at home, I can plug anything in, <laughs> and I hope juice comes out no matter what time of the day. But I think the point you are you are you are addressing is very important. Like when everybody comes home at ish PM, <laughs> you know, and plugs in their EVs or their hair dryers, you know, um, you don't want the planet to explode in that sense. I'm not sure if you know this old show Alf, you know. I think his planet exploded because they're all plugged in their hair dryers at the <laughs> and it's <laughs> actually 20 years ago or so and um i think what, what from the car industry we are trying to do is um, bidirectional charging so what we what we are trying to do is to enable um evs to become you know, basically uh, mobile power banks right so you can store a lot of energy or electricity in a car and you can also take the energy out again not only to use the energy to drive the car but when you come home yeah. In the future, you will be able to feed this energy back into the house. So, for example, if you have a power outage, you basically won't even notice because it like seamlessly, it will switch over to your car and it will power your house. And an EV battery is quite large, so it can power it for for quite a while um okay. and these things can be used to also balance out the grid right like as you say like peaks and and um the opposite basically right that 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 we can use the cars in in an area or the whole country to balance these things out and we are not there yet but over the next couple of years this is definitely th- something which will be coming and i think this is really again like not just trying to one-to-one convert okay we are we are taking these vehicles and we are putting a battery into them and that's it. But like, what can we actually do with it, which hasn't been done before? And what benefit, like, or what benefits, like, plural, can we actually get out of this situation? Not like, oh, now we have to build infrastructure, negative. Oh, the charging takes too so long, negative, you know, like all these things. But what are all the opportunities we actually have here? Like, you can refill your car at home. You can we it on the street? You don't have to drive anywhere. You can power your house with it. You know, what other things can we actually do when we get to that point? And I think there's a lot of opportunity there to, to invest in these areas to actually yeah, make it better.
1: Yeah, I, I certainly think it's a super exciting industry. It has such an ability to make a positive impact on our planet. But also, you know, there is a huge amount of investment going into to it as an industry. So I think it's a very exciting space for sure. Um, Yeah, yeah, really interesting stuff. So one of the things that came up, so we're talking a little bit there about how we align usage, and you said, you know, using potentially the the car as a giant mobile battery, um, as you put it, which I think sounds super exciting. But um, that's quite a complicated thing. You know, if you're taking power out of the the grid, you're presumably paying for that power. But then if the car is taking energy back into the house, maybe you even put some back into the grid you know you're giving the energy back to the to the grid i've read various things about changing from you know static unit pricing to pricing per unit of electricity that fluctuates through the day again depending on demand these are quite complicated complicated topics and if you imagine the actual end user they just want things to be simple right they just want to plug in their car know that they can charge it they want it all to practically work for them they don't really want to micromanage the you know oh i better unplug my car for 10 minutes right now because there's a sudden spike or you know th- these these are real challenges and, and and also you mentioned there you know that th- potentially there's an outage the car takes over you don't notice the outage but then you come to get in your car and your car's only got you know 30 percent charge and you can't do the journey that you're expecting to do. So I think there's a lot of challenges there. I, do, I don't know if you could speak a little bit about those challenges and, and what you see they are and how you think they'll be solved. Is it more automation? Is it education? You know, what are the ways to solve the, the that, that missing piece there? Because it's something complicated we're trying to solve. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's how do you get the user on board with it and, and, and using it?
2: Yeah, I think that's a very good question. Um, I almost would compare to something like what what Apple... Uh, seemingly constantly tries to or what Apple seemingly always is able to pull off like stuff like AirDrop you know which is uh, for the people who are not familiar with it you can basically just copy and paste something from your computer to your phone and the other way around and it usually just works and I think this is a magnificent piece of technology <laughs> they built there for it to just work almost all the time and I think yeah it's basically I want to say overlooked like it feels like magic it just just works you know and I think this is something yeah. we have to get to where people don't have to get into situations which you described. you know, like, oh, do I have to unplug my car now because of power price, electricity price, uh, or my, my car powering the house and uh, not being, having enough energy to, for me to drive later? I think we, we have to be smart about it. Like the, the hardware, the software we build, it basically has to just work. You know? so for example, um, if, you, so if I would imagine it, if you, if you drive your EV home and you plug it in with your... With your B directional wall walks at home, you know, the wall box should take care um, together with your home energy system of all the things. So you don't have to think about it in that sense, right? And if, for example, you, you come home and your car is only at a 20% charge and your house is, is fine and the sun is shining, with a PV system on your roof, you know, I would assume maybe it's a good time. Depending on the time of the day and the electricity cost, maybe now is a good time to charge the car. Or maybe, as we talked about earlier, you come home at exactly five p.m. and there's a surge. Maybe the Volvo decides, yeah, now is not a good time to charge. You know, um, maybe. And this is very futuristic now, right? So, so maybe the the box or the app on your phone, which is connected to that, can see um, your 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 calendar and knows that you're not have planned any trips for the rest of your day. Just like when you have yeah. on, on your iPhone you, 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 you have a I don't know, dentist appointment later and you have the edges in, it will tell you hey, now it's time to get going because I know where you are. I know how the traffic conditions are. I know where you want to get to. I can tell you it will take at least 43 minutes and not the, the usual 30 minutes kind of thing. And it will, it will tell you. So if I could think about it like this, that the, that the energy system will know you don't need your car charged um, for until until tomorrow morning, for example, then maybe it will only start charging at 4 a.m. And maybe it happens to be that at night you have an electricity tariff where at night the electricity is cheaper than during the day. right? So it will only charge the car at night then automatically. But it will take the hassle out of it so you don't have to make these kind of decisions in an ideal yeah. world right and yeah, yeah but i think what we don't want to do is we don't want to be too smart about things right there should always be an option like hey uh, i didn't put it in my calendar for example you can't know that i'm going to the dentist later which is an hour away or a friend who lives in the next village or something um there should always be a way to of course to override and say no 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 i want the car charged now no matter what yeah i cannot yeah. wait until yeah. i don't know the yeah. sun comes out and uh uh, the pv charges the car kind of thing right um but i think there there is ways to to make it easy and convenient for for the user without having to overthink stuff right to me it's it's almost yeah. similar to when you when you ask a person who uses let's say an iphone if they ever went into the settings um of the iphone to change anything right and then you, you you get the people who say no i never open my settings you know it comes out of the box that's the way i use it and there's other people who say yes of course i go into the settings <laughs> like once a week, I read an article or whatever, like, you know, website, oh, you should change this setting to, I don't know, serve una- like save another 1% uh, battery on your phone and I will go in and tweak this, you know, or location data or whatever. So it, there's like these group of, of, of people where I think for some, the ones who will never enter the settings, it most likely will just work. And the other ones, sure. There will be some options probably where you can play around and can adapt <laughs> and tell the machine hopefully only start charging then, or this is my power tariff really, and and adjust or fine tune things, right? But overall, I mm-hmm. think in the end it, it should just work. It should take the hassle out of it, right?
1: Yeah, it re- it reminds me a little bit of the smart thermostats that you get. So in our in our old home we had a Nest thermostat. In our current home we have a Tado Tado, however you pronounce it, right. and they have controls. But it, you know, I, I think the Nest was better probably than than Tado at this, but you can leave the nest pretty much to its own devices and it will learn when you come and go, you know, all you have to do is say, I'm not comfortable. I'd like it a little bit hotter, please. Or I'm too hot. I'd like it cooler. And the rest, it just kind of takes care of. It builds a schedule for you. It heats your home in advance of when it thinks you're going to want it warm. So it's, it's quite clever in, in that regard. Um, and I think they've done a, a a good job personally of delivering the kind of experience that you're talking about, where it's fairly seamless and simple, but there's a lot of complexity going on under the hood. I actually thought talking about Nest, it was quite interesting what they were doing in the US in terms of um, when there is a surge on the grid, because obviously in the US, they use Nest to potentially control electric AC units. Um, and what I think they built in was some kind of remote kill system. So if there was a sudden surge on the the grid, they could remote kill the Nest thermostats for, say, a period of 15 minutes. So people wouldn't notice, you know, 15 minutes isn't enough for the home to heat up to a point where they um, notice that they're uncomfortable. But you're just saying, just let's just kill the demand just for 15 minutes. And then we can we can allow that to continue. But I I do think that kind of thing is, is really interesting. You know, can you coordinate together? you know, EVs, the energy grid, you know, all these batteries, all these consumers, all these different devices, but in a very intelligent, almost like hive energy grid, where everything talks to everything and it's all kind of seamlessly. I mean, I I appreciate I'm talking about a, a dream future world, but I think that's a really exciting thing. But also it presents so many challenges. You know, can you, I find it so strange, you know, giving Nest consent to shut my heating or ac off you know yeah nest go ahead you know if you need to shut my Heating or cooling off, go ahead and do it. I, f- I find that a really strange, from both a, a, a moral and a legal standpoint. You know, there's so many challenges here to 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 to, to solve um, for for people in the industry.
2: Yeah, I think it's it's definitely not an easy feat. But I, if I think about it, like for example, the, the to- technology we're using like right now, you know, to talk over the internet via different potentially different computers and, and setups and stuff, and it works, right? Or before before yeah. that, like yeah. telephones and stuff, right? Across countries over the big pond and stuff, you know, so it's like, it's, it's possible, right? And I think, yes, it's, 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 it's complex for sure. And it will definitely require, it will definitely require, um, yeah, smart people to come together to find meaningful solutions. Um, but I think partially this is already what's, what's happening. So, so we are planning to build a house and we are, we are looking into, um, having for, for the heater, like one of those, uh, heat pumps. And then yeah. I, I read a little bit about, um, and a PV system and so forth. So I was reading about that when you want to collect um, energy and you want to be able to feed it back to the grid um, via the heat pump system and so forth, You here, at least in the area, you have to agree to them being able to remotely shut off your heat pumps at times. So that like the, the system for, for putting the energy back and getting the energy because they want to avoid yeah. these power surges and stuff, you know, which reminds me exactly of what you just said with Nest in the US, because it's basically the same thing, right? And this is already yeah. the case nowadays. And of course, now you're adding another, I want to say, factor of complexity. If you have giant power banks driving around everywhere, <laughs> what does it mean? you know? But in the end, they're already doing it. It's just another piece to the puzzle, I would say. But yeah on the, from the experience side, I think it's it's probably a different story as you mentioned as well. Like, how do you feel about that? That, that you're giving consent for these things to happen without you potentially knowing that they're happening or when they're happening. It, it, Probably makes you feel uncomfortable, or maybe almost like an invasion of privacy. Maybe you know. Yeah. So I sure, think these sure. are things which which have to be addressed in a in a meaningful way, and not just like, well, sorry, it's in the fine print; you have to sign it, otherwise it doesn't work, kind of thing. But like, yeah, where we have to pick up people early and explain why this is the case, you know. And I think this is yeah. al- this is always a very good thing to do because you don't want the users to be in the dark. And they go like, "What just happened?" kind of thing, but more like, "Hey, did you know we're doing this or did did you know these things about the power grid, and do you know about power surges and and how we use electricity and like the educational part to really Take people by the hand and explain to them why things are happening so that they can buy into it and they can understand, you know? Because once you build up this kind of level of understanding and this level of trust. I think trust is very important in this in this in this concept, right? Then then most likely people will yes. buy, Oh, yeah, that sure. makes sense, you know, I understand. Makes sense, sure. Go ahead, do it, you know? And it's not that the middle of the day, your house will be out of electricity and are like, well, tough luck kind of thing, right? So that's yeah. not going to happen because they know you have an EV, uh, you have a power bank, um, you have the PV. It's not telling you're going to sit in the dark or in the cold just because of that,
1: right? Yeah, I, m- I remember looking at something where someone was building uh, their own sort of energy monitor for their own house. And they had this device that um, I think like clamped onto the main electricity feed for your house and it was able to detect the level of current flowing through it. But they were able to, and I don't know exactly how this worked, but through this, uh, whatever signature it was of the amount of current draw or how the current was being drawn, they were able to isolate which devices in the house were most likely on just by looking at that data, you know, of what electricity was flowing through the, through the um, cable, whether it was the specific... I don't know whether it was a specific, you know, wattage or amp draw or whether it was, I don't know, something else more complicated. I have no idea. But they were able to build their own sort of little dashboard saying, you know, in my house, you know, over the past week, we've used three hours of the hairdryer and the fridge has been on for 10 hours and all those sorts of things, which is very, very clever. But again, it plays into that whole, you know, the more we connect things together, the more we have sensors in different places to enable this smart stuff, the more you, you start to think about, well, hold on a minute, you know, what? privacy concerns might drop out of that you know what negative you know what could someone with a, a malicious intent what could someone with a malicious intent do with that kind of data or with that kind of level of control and you know we, we obviously live in quite scary times with things that are going on in the world right now can you imagine what would happen if someone gained access to a system that had like remote shut off to people's heating for example that's kind of supremely scary there's challenges there as well in terms of you know security and big problems to to, to solve exciting problems and cool problems Solve, but also yeah
2: lots of things to think about oh for sure and i think especially like if i put my my, my german hat on I, I feel like in germany we are always very <laughs> privacy conscious you know like uh I still feel like yeah. in many sh- shops in Germany, you can't use credit cards because, oh, it's going to be tied to you. And... Yeah,
1: I visited Berlin a few few years ago. And, and if you go off the main tourist kind of the main tourist areas, as soon as you leave, all the restaurants are cash only. And I, I found that really, really, really strange because yeah. I don't think I've ever been to any other major, major European city and not been able to get by with just a credit card. I found that really, really strange.
2: Yeah. It is, and I think I think it's at least two factors coming together. Number one is privacy concerns in that sense of um I don't want the I guess the credit com- company to know where I go eat and like build like a like a, a like a hab- habit habit profile kind of thing of the people. Um, yeah. from privacy yeah. point of view and I think the other one is um, the cost which is involved for the for the merchant right because as soon as you pay with a credit card the merchant has to pay a fee like I don't know whatever percentage depending on the credit card company and they're just not willing to do that especially smaller stores right if you like go to a small yeah. we have like these called Spätkauf in Berlin which are like the small stores which are open almost 24-7 and they have like all these like, chips and beer and cigarettes and like all this stuff or magazines or maybe a pack of butter you forgot to buy you know and yeah they, they they don't accept credit cards because for them it's like well if you come pay for a pack of butter I don't want to pay whatever fee yeah. on top of this pack of butter right it's like uh, yeah but yeah. yeah so absolutely what you say makes is is totally fair and makes absolute sense um, of course stuff like this shouldn't happen right. Um, that somebody can take over a system and 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 any of that and well yeah we will for sure do whatever we can to not let <laughs> it happen obviously um, especially again speaking as a German who is very privacy conscious right, so
1: no it's just it's just interesting exploring the, the or at least I find it interesting exploring the the the, the problem space and and thinking about some of these the, these challenges in. Um, Yeah, what we're going to face in the the near future. So I don't know how much you're able to share, but I thought it'd be interesting. Obviously, you're in the industry doing, um, no doubt, exciting things. Is there anything you could share with us about things that are coming? Maybe anything that we haven't talked about so far? You know, what does the future, future look like for green energy? Is there anything that, yeah else that you can share about that
2: well i'm not sure what i can share but i think i think what what and i think i teased on, on this in the beginning is like that we are in this area in in a situation where we can really think out of the box and not just try one to one to translate what currently exists and redo this for evs kind of thing but really think about what what yeah. are possibilities right and um so if i give you one example which is not, not future example the current one which i find very interesting is so um, Audi, which is also part of the Volkswagen group, they built a so-called charging hub in Nuremberg in, in Germany, which is basically mm-hmm. a place where you can book a high-powered charger before you drive there. You're, you have an app, you book a charging spot, you drive there, you plug yeah. in your car downstairs, yeah. and you go upstairs in this lounge environment. You can have a coffee and you can chat with fellow Audi drivers about whatever, you know? And so I've never seen this with a guest station, right? Like, like an airport lounge. So somewhere with a degree of like
1: exclusivity and, you know, special, oh, special access. Because I think part of what drives airport lounges and obviously because that's a paid for premium service that's only availed of by a certain number of people is obviously that feeling of exclusivity, right? I think that's a, that's a key driver in that, um, which sounds like what you're describing here, you know, it's almost like an exclusive charging station with uh, exactly. premium and features.
2: Exactly. And Audi being a premium brand, you know, this is something they they cater to, to 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 the people who d- drive Audis, you know, and it's like, yeah, that's that's what I mean, give this a try. And and I think this this is, you know, I'm not sure if ever somebody thought about turning a gas station into a lounge kind of thing. Probably not. Um but, you know, so they're trying to make it nice and I want to say desirable to actually go there, have a coffee, chat with other people, maybe use it as a meetup point close to the um, Nuremberg ring and stuff, you know. So it it comes with a certain feeling, I want to say, you know, it becomes an experience suddenly. So there's a lot of opportunity which can be done, which has not been done. And I want to say the sky's the limit, you know, you can dream up what you want kind of thing. How can we turn the charging experience into something which is which is nice, you know. And usually people say, "Oh, it takes so long to charge," but it usually takes so long because, or it feels it takes so long because, sure, if you stand somewhere in the rain and you have a low-powered charger, it takes, it just takes so long, you know. But if you are in a place, you have a good conversation and a free coffee kind of thing. You know, it, it doesn't feel like you're waiting for something. You're just having a good time and you will return to your car and everything is, is nice, you know. So just like at the airport lounge, I think nobody actually likes being at the airport. It's just a hassle. Oh, you have to get yeah. to the airport. It takes time by public transport, maybe. And then you have to wait there. And nowadays, especially security lineups take so long. I'd rather be there two and a half hours before than an hour just in case. And then you're stuck at the airport. and You're sitting on one of these uncomfortable chairs or benches, you know. So it's like somebody decided... Ah, if you can turn this into a better experience, not that people actually want to come to the airport, unless the Singapore one, maybe. Um, how can we make this really nice as part of the experience? You know, I mean, we cannot avoid that you have to come early and do all these checkups, but we can try at least to make the experience nicer, you know, so that you are there, you have free Wi-Fi, you can have a beverage, you know, you know, and this is something we can yeah. also think about.
1: Right, so I was going to ask a few um, sort of more general sort of quickfire questions questions just i always like to try and include some more sort of just yeah silly li- little things sure. so f- first one is what's your favorite ui uh exp- and-, and-, and why What's your favorite UI? In well,
2: that is, uh, that's a very good question. My favorite UI? Um, I'm honestly not sure. I really like the things, I mean, very general reply, but I really like the things which just work, right? Like what I mentioned earlier, like the copy and paste across devices where you don't even feel, like where the design is not even visible in that sense. It just works, like design is going out of the way. Mm-hmm. Like these kind of yeah. things I really enjoy. And the opposite probably is something like where you notice that something obviously doesn't work or is shoehorned into something, you know, then to. He's like, yeah, yeah. sorry, that, that, yeah. that doesn't work. So, so yeah, I'm get, Well, would you say Apple? Because you mentioned
1: Apple, Apple earlier. I think clearly an, an influence for you, or a, yeah, a, I
2: think so. Because inspiration. often they, they seem to get things right. You know, it's like uh, a dynamic island, right? I mean, everybody hates the notch or love, loves to hate the notch, I guess, you know. But then they came up with this dynamic island and suddenly it's like a whole marketing thing on it, what you can do with a notch and how wonderful it is and all these kind of things. To me, it's mind-blowing. But So what's, what's sorry, I don't, I don't know what that is. What's Dynamic Island? Oh, like from the new iPhone 14 Pro, whatever. Like they have mm-hmm. like this notch at the top. I haven't seen like this. Like this, like the pill yeah. shape thing at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're basically, because they know they have this hardware constraint there, they have to have the camera and the sensors there for the face ID. They have a pill shape cut out in yeah. the display at the top. But instead of just having it there, they used Design yep. and UI interface design to turn this into a feature. So like when you now have notification stuff, they all show up around and a part of this little pill there and they turn it into an experience. So they're not trying to hide it. They're actually emphasizing it. Okay. And it's amazing. If you haven't seen it, you, there's a bunch of videos where they show no. like, show it off from the keynote. And this is, you know, like Apple at its best where they, where they manage to sell you, uh, a hardware constraint in a wonderful way. You know, everybody wants this because yeah. it has this hardware yeah. constraint. Yeah. It's amazing.
1: That's kind of brilliant. I always do like to do that though in, in 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 my work is if you have a negative if something bad happens, always try and turn it into a positive. You know what I mean? Always try and turn it around and say what can we get out of this as a as, as a positive um absolutely i am actually i must admit a, a little bit of a of a slight apple convert so for the longest time i resisted apple tech i was kind of one of those people who said it's expensive you know it's not worth it and last year i got i'm speaking to you now on on an m1 uh macbook pro and it it kind of is it is pretty good uh, i mean i'm not gonna go as far as I say it's perfect i'm not i've not completely switched to the cult of apple like that i think there's flaws with it but it is an incredible laptop um you know the the power it has the fact that it stays cool the battery life it's yeah it's very impressive but it does have a pretty sizable notch at the top
2: (laughs) (laughs) exactly there's the notch again Um, yes absolutely you're absolutely right it's not perfect but i want to say it's very close to that place like if you compare to other devices or solutions it usually is able to pull really cool stuff off if, if they want to, I think.
1: So who do you admire most in the world of, you know, design, UI, UX? You know, who's, who's you know, if you to pick one character that, yeah, you think is a inspiration? Uh,
2: that's really hard. I mean, there's so many brilliant people out there um, who, who achieved so many things on so many different levels. Um, I, I would have to throw out a couple of names, I guess. Like like Steve Jobs, obviously, who's to me not a designer in that sense, but like a uh, like a brilliant business person, I guess, who was really good at what you just said, like phrasing things and really like giving things a really positive spin, you know, I guess maybe mm-hmm. in his own bubble to a degree, but he was able to extend through this bubble, like to to really leave like, as he used to say, like a dent in the universe kind of thing. Um, then of course, Dieter Rams, for example, you know, it's like uh, the impact on hardware design and the, the, the things he did and is doing um, is very impressive. And, um, But to me, another person is also Peter Skillman, who used to run, for example, the the design team at Nokia, uh, where I used to work in the past is somebody, um, I don't know, he's just this presence in the room, you know, and, um, the, his leadership style and the way he addresses things, design related and, and talks about these things and, and is so knowledgeable about all, all these kind of things. That is probably the closest I got to somebody who's like, wow, you know, like really somebody to aspire to, to, you know, like step, like, yeah, step into their footsteps, I guess that's what you're saying.
1: Sounds, sounds interesting. I, not someone that I'm familiar with, but I'll, I mean, I'm assuming I can look him up and, uh, find a little bit about him. Cool. Um, So what about resources for keeping up to date? What's, you know, if you were to maybe listeners to the podcast who are trying to get break into the industry, um, you know, interested in this, this, this is a career. What resources are your go-tos for, you know, staying up to date and staying, staying current uh, with what's going on?
2: Oh, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, There's probably a mix what I would recommend. And I think I I have to keep it high level is um, uh, certain books, I guess to to build a base about like design and design thinking i want to say or things which have been done or overall to get an idea about the things which are possible um but then also um podcasts like yours you know like the people who actually bring the people together and talk about these kind of topics so people can listen to and and, and absorb like be like a sponge absorb things and maybe get a spark of an idea somewhere here and there to to inspire people um but i think also I mean, there's a lot of, for example, like boot camps and all these kind of things. I guess varying degrees of of quality for people to to start um, to do these kind of things, um, uh, yeah, to break into the industry. And I think it's also just often, you know, to, yeah, spend your time or your free time in in trying things out. You know, like I mean, there's like Behance and Dribble. Just look around. What's there? Is there something which inspires you? Can you try to, you know, use Figma um to 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 build something on your own you know like just try it out this is something you like doing or maybe i don't know like rebuild an interface you know take a screenshot from interface you like and then just try to rebuild it just like step by step and see if this is something actually you would like doing and probably uh, one other thing is is which I think is still underrated, is mentoring, you know, that you um, get in touch with somebody who can give you some insights and talk to you from time to time, hopefully on a more regular basis, um, to share information or to be able to answer your questions and give some, I want to say, more personal advice how somebody could break into an industry, you know. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Or if you already work in a company where they have design, you know, but mm-hmm. you, you happen to work in a different function, just reach out to the designers and ask like, Hey, you know, can you maybe do some company internal internship kind of thing? Or can you have some guidance and can you do something because you want to maybe change careers, but you're not sure about it? I think I would just openly bring it up because I think companies, I feel I, 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 if I take a step back as a, as a manager, I feel always sad when people leave companies, obviously, um, because people are not happy with either the company or the conditions or the manager or the stuff they're working on so so i would always encourage people to well try first in the company itself if possible to look for a different opportunity even if it's a different field you know just contact somebody usually they're nice people right just ask hey can i do like in yeah as i said like an internship and stuff with you guys can i learn a little bit from you can i participate in some of your research just to get an idea about things what you guys are actually doing you know and maybe that way get a step like a foot into the door i would say
1: Cool, I think that's sage advice. I think, yeah, mentoring certainly an interesting one.
2: Um, it's,
1: I don't know if it's something you've got first-hand experience of, but how, how would someone go about getting a, a mentor do you think how, how would you even find one that's if you can i don't even know if you can share that but um it's something that i would struggle with because i've never had actually had a, a a mentor in the past and i and i think it would be something good to do but but i wouldn't know where to start in terms of you know how do you find someone you know you ask them are you asking a lot of that person because you know asking them to give up their time essentially
2: you know how would you go go about it that's a very very good question um so i also did not have a mentor for the for the longest time i have to admit and once i had one it was game changing i would say and for me the situation was that the mentor did not have a design background but more like an engineering and a business background And which was really, really important to me as a designer, because I find the designers, we stick too much to design and less look over like, you know, like what what else is left and right? What can I actually bring to the table besides UX, UI kind of thing? But like, how can I impact the business as a whole? So that that was very important, yeah. and uh, for me, it was somebody working at the same company at S- at SAP. Um, I think um, other options would probably be well. Number one, look in the same company if there's somebody from a background or a person you like or who's more senior or even at the same level just has a different kind of background. I would just go out and ask. Uh, I know some companies also have internal mentorship and coaching programs. Really, like most like the bigger companies, I assume, but I think also smaller um, companies and startups. Um, I think there's also online services like. I'm not sure what it's called, like adplist.org or so, um, where you can sign up to be a mentor and also um, try to find a mentor there. Um, and, of course, in your circles in that sense, right? Like everybody usually knows a bunch of people who know a bunch of people, you know, like or people in the same office building, for example. You, you, you cross path every day in the cafeteria or whatever, you know. When you talk about stuff, maybe just ask them, you know. So it really depends. I don't think there's an easy easy answer to the question.
1: Yeah, it's just it's just difficult, isn't it? If you if you if you it feels a lot to ask of someone, right? Especially if you don't know them super super well. So yeah, it's a yeah cool thing, but 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 getting there could be difficult. Uh, so yeah, last last of the quick questions, I just wondered if you'd got any sort of bad usability nightmares or or sort of a terrible experience that you've had recently that. That you could share, you know, maybe anything funny or anything like that. Um.
2: Um, me personally, I don't think I had anything major in the in the like in the, in the in the near past, let's say. Um, but I have always two things um, which are top of my mind because I find them very interesting. So there's this one picture floating around on the internet where you can see. Um, they can see like where the ignition of a car is and they happen to place not the ignition like next to the steering wheel, but rather in front of it kind of thing. Um, and, okay. and you can see that where you, usually the ignition is, there's a lot of scratches there from all the people trying to shove the key in, but yeah, it's yeah. not there kind of thing. And to me, this is like, yes, that's, you're, know, you're basically missing the expectation here from what you've built up as an industry over, over the years. Yeah. Just always. And it's, it happened to be apparently a rental car, um, which is really interesting. And I think the other example I really, find well I guess I would find it hilarious it wouldn't be so sad I think Citibank in 2021 they accidentally sent 500 million US dollars because of a terrible user interface there's a, a story I think on Ask Technica about that um, and they have a screenshot of the of the interface <laughs> and it looks like on say Windows like 3.11 kind of thing. And yeah, it's just, you know, it's like really bad, these, these kind of things. And so avoidable, I want to say. Um, but of course, I'm sure there's reasons behind it, especially with the ignition thing, you know, from the car industry. I'm sure, I, not that I'm sure, but I assume maybe technical reasons, you know, or price reasons or something. I cannot imagine somebody deciding from a design point of view, let's just place this thing somewhere else. You know, and let's see how people react. But yeah, sometimes it's the small things which 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 actually have a big impact on.
1: Right. So thank you very much for your time, uh, Wolfgang. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, and I'm sure um, our listeners will have really enjoyed listening to that.
2: Yeah. Have you got a social handle or anything like that that you want to share with them? Yeah. Sure. So so. First of all, thank you so much for having me, Andrew. It was really a pleasure being on your show. It's, it's really fantastic to speak with you. Um, yeah, people can find me on Twitter, at Wolfgang Bremer. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of active there, so you can hit me up over there.
1: Super. Thank you so much for your time, Wolfgang. And uh, yeah, we'll speak again soon. Bye. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. So what did you make of that, David?
0: I think that's it's really interesting, that is. So obviously... EV charging is like a big complicated it's a complicated thing isn't it so I'm kind of I'm glad that there's some smart people working on it
1: (laughs) yeah I know I know what you mean the the thing that I'm worried about is people who don't have a driveway don't have access to charging facilities the fact that that's going to cost them so much more to charge up their their cars on public charge points I don't think anyone's got a solution to that yet well not 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 a viable one anyway we'll see what happens
0: But there's there's plenty of places, uh, even in the small town that we live in. There's a, a car park that's got got a fair few spaces.
1: <clears throat> oh no, it's not the spaces. It's the cost. Yeah. You'll end up if you've got a drive, lucky enough to have a driveway and a private charger, you'll pay very little for your charging your car. But if you unfortunately have to park on a street, you've probably got a lower income already. You've not been able to afford a house with a dry, driveway or a garage. G- massive generalization here, obviously, but you've then got to pay more to charge your car, you know, in a public place.
0: Yeah solve sort of it though can i <laughs> bad, bad usability, usability nightmare right this is a really horrendous one but um it's they, actually this is nothing to do with usability as such but it is definitely to do with technology although i mean it's more to do with people using technology really so so this is an article i've got an article from uh, bbc news here this was a, a surgery sends out a text message it's really horrible. They send out a text message. It, they mean to send out a, a message saying, Happy Christmas, everyone. But actually, they send a message saying, You've got cancer, which is... Right. <laughs> I know I shouldn't <laughs> be laughing at that. But it is horrible. People like were, were waiting for uh, messages from their doctors and whatever. Test and results and things like they, that. Test results, yeah. And they got this, this thing. So I think everyone got the same message. And the message said... Uh, Here's your diagnosis for whatever blah blah blah. Your diagnosis is aggressive lung cancer with meta meta. I don't know what the word is. Metastasis. 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 Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then it ends ends the text message with thanks, which is, I mean, you don't really want to be thanked after you've had a message of probably the worst message you've ever had in your life. And then they send a message straight back back saying, please accept our sincere apologies for the previous text message. This has been sent in error. Our message to you should have read. We wish you a merry Christmas. <laughs> Honestly, this is the most, the absolute most horrendous thing, the most horrendous mistake that anybody could make to send out a text message saying you've got cancer. Oh, how, by the way, we went to say happy Christmas. How? How do? You, <laughs> how do you think how it do happened? How you come back from this? How do you think? How it did happened? this happen? Oh. I don't well I mean a mixture between technology and somebody using the technology I, I assume that maybe they copied and pasted the wrong thing hang on let me read the article um, just people saying is this some kind of sick joke uh, Blimey, someone saying it completely took me by surprise somebody just burst into tears which I think you would do this is the most horrendous text message um, so this article that I've been looking at doesn't actually say how it happened but I mean, technology. That's a thing with technology; it does go wrong, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, but it's that's a human error, right? The technology hasn't gone wrong by itself, presumably.
0: I reckon it's a human error.
1: Well, it can't. It can't be anything but, the... but a human error. Whether it's a, whether it's a developer human error or the probably more likely the operator. So, what do you reckon they did? Like, they I, I'm just. Do you reckon they copied and pasted the wrong thing or something, or they thought they'd copied it and pasted it and press end, but they still had the old message on the clipboard or something, or?
0: Something like that, yeah. Um, It says it was sent out to almost 8,000 patients. (laughs) Jesus. Yeah, somebody was waiting for a smear test result and then (laughs) they got this text message. You would be so upset, wouldn't you? But I'd be confused.
1: I'd be confused. I've gone for a smear test and I've got lung cancer. I'd I'd
0: be a little bit... (laughs) That's not
1: the right body part, is it?
0: Well, no, true. Um, but I've, I've seen articles before where people get sent the wrong text message, or you know, I've got sent the wrong text message from somebody. It's just that this particular example is probably the most extreme. I can't think of anything more extreme than this.
1: Well, I was going to ask, do you oh, think okay. this? Do you think this is going to this is worse or better than the Hawaii missile alert system text message?
0: I think this is worse because worse. a text message saying that a, a nuclear missile is on the way is probably a bit kind of out there, isn't it? It's a bit implausible to start with because yeah. it's, it's rare that nuclear mis- missiles are sent and launched, isn't it? Um, yeah. Whereas people get but, text messages from okay, the doctor do.
1: I think this is less bad because if I got a text message about a nuclear alert, I would believe it. Because that is a thing that could have happened. However, if I'd got a text message about having lung cancer and not having any t- had any tests done, then I'd probably think, mm, "I think there's an error here." So, although it got sent to oh, okay. eight, although it only although it got sent to eight thousand people, yeah. presumably only a very small number of those could have potentially believed it because they were in a situation where they have, you know, they have had tests recently yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So. So so I think, impact-wise, that's a lot less. So I'm going to say that the, the Hawaii missile one was worse, but it's a close call. It is a close call.
0: Yeah, definitely. I just, I just like the way that... No, I don't like, but I just find it just ridiculous that they waited half an hour to send a reply. And Half reply an hour? Just...
1: It took them half an hour to oh, like... Oh,
0: sorry. Yeah. <laughs> this has been sent in error. It should have read, we wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year please accept our sincere apologies for the previous text message sent <laughs> oh I just
1: want I want to know anyway, more on, yeah. I want to know more I want to know how it happened
0: yeah I want to know more actually yeah I found this article on the, on the, the BBC but um, I'm sure that I'm sure it's covered many times in lots of places it's a, it's from the, uh, the the town that I grew up in as well is it yeah it's from Doncaster <laughs> Anyway, that is the end of the podcast. If you've seen or used something unusable recently, we want to hear about it. You can email us at podcast at the unusable.com and we're on Twitter at unusable podcast. If you've enjoyed this, there's plenty more. The last episode was called Unsupported Eyeballs and on YouTube, we've got a video called What If Your Shower Was A Website? We also have unusable t-shirts and hoodies available to buy on the website podcast.theunusable.com. Music is by Gold5472. Please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts so you'll get a notification about the next one. Okay, that's it. Until next time, bye.
1: Goodbye.